the hot flash of glory last resort If they try to control us, we must take a stand Revolutionary ladies working hand in hand It's the hot flash report with Anna and Diane Hello, hot flashers! This is the Hot Flash Report for Friday, February 25th, 2022. And this is Ann Rose. And with me, as always, is Diane Durzis, somewhere out there. Morning. You there, Diane? I'm here. Well, good. We have a really special guest today, Dr. Carol Jaffe. She's a PhD doctor, not an MD doctor. She wanted me to make sure I told you that. She's (laughs) professor of OBGYN and reproductive services at the UCSF that's in San Francisco and she's the author of several books and has been a wonderful colleague for years hello Dr. Jaffe hello hi thank you for coming on my pleasure well first thing I I like to ask people is uh what are you upset about right now right this instant what's uh what's on your mind most about the state of abortion rights in this country oh I, I what I'm most upset about right now is the invasion of Ukraine, even more than the, I'm upset about abortion. But right. obviously, I'm very upset about the Supreme Court case and, you know, what we can expect from that. It seems like we're just getting bombarded on all fronts. All, a lot of things we care about, abortion rights and human rights and um, peace is getting assaulted in this country. And I, I kind of thought that would be over with after, uh, you know, who got out of office, but it doesn't seem to be. No. Well, we've got all the problems he left behind. You wanted to ask Diane a question, Carol. I, let's just start with that. Well, I, you know, it's an honor to be speaking about a historical, to be speaking to a historical. <laughs> um, you know, Diane will always be known as, you know, as the as the uh, owner of, of of the pink house, and I, I just want to know how she's doing, and how you. Oh, thank you, Carol. The case. You know, um, after years of knowing this was happening, it's when it hits you and happens, it's still a complete uh, surprise. But yeah. we're, um, we're we're making plans to move on. Uh, the other problem with this is thinking of the women left behind and those women who will never be able to access abortion. You and I both know that women of privilege will have no problem doing so. Right. But, um, you know, there'll be many funds set up to help these women, um, ways of travel to get to other states. But, you know, you're talking about women who work for a living or who have children. And how do you take off a couple of days to go have a medical procedure? Yeah. But I think all of that's, um, I think we're going to see women working to make sure that that is uh, as easy as possible to obtain. I, I think you're right. I mean, uh, a- actually, uh, a research project I've just started um, with my co-author, David Cohen, um, we've been talking to providers um, and advocates across the country. We just started. And you know, it's very, I mean, it's both a very terrifying time, but it's very moving to me to see how how conscientiously, you know, our our world is. We don't have a choice, you know. That's how I look at it. It's 
after almost 50 years of doing this, I'll be damned if I'm going to just go home and go. Yeah. You know, these yeah. women, we, we all know, after having worked with these women, how important the decision and having access is. And at this, in this day and time, with Republicans in control, uh, or le their legacy, I should point out maybe, you know, we've got major problems, so we can't afford to let to let let the women down. Yeah, you know, I know this is about you, supposedly you two asking me questions, but <laughs> I can't help but ask one to the two of you because you're 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 both in the South, and um, so uh, and obviously very knowledgeable. I mean, you have a hundred years of history between the two of you. <laughs> oh my God! Ah, we're, old. <laughs> we're old. We are, but we've got lots of uh, memories. Yeah. But, uh, so let me ask two of you. I mean, what? I mean, here's to me a really, really big question about Dobbs. Assuming it's the worst, I mean, assuming they overturn Roe, which many of us think is very likely, what do you think the reaction will be? Do you think there'll be a lot of people in the streets or, or I mean, I hear different things. Yeah, I'm yeah. worried that people are on overload, that they're, you know, they're like you just said, we're worried about Ukraine and, and war and um, the, what, what else is going on with human rights? the assaults on trans people and everybody. And it just seems like the, that we're getting hit from all sides. And I just worry that it, it'll, it'll be a, a moment and, and there won't be much of a reaction at all. I agree with you. I, I think that that's been our problem all along and we've all talked about that. Why can't we get women who've had abortions active in this? Yeah. And, you know, the answer to that is, no one, every, we all have something to do. We all have priorities. And unless and it's affecting someone you know or love, you know, we're, we, we can hold a, an opinion, but that's about it. Carol, what are you hearing from other clinics? Uh, well, I'm hearing that people, everybody is, you know, as we already said, we, 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 you know, everybody's preparing for the future and, People in the hostile states are worrying about how do we get, you know, women to the haven states. People in the haven states are worrying how have increased capacity. Uh, I haven't really, I haven't really asked people, you know, the question I just posed to two of you, you know, will there be a big reaction? And, and you know, it's so hard to say. I mean, obviously in New York. And in San Francisco, mm -hmm. Chicago, and Ann Arbor, I mean, you know, the more progressive cities. Yeah, I mean, what will what there will be elsewhere? You know, it's, I mean, it's hard to know. And we can even go further. We can even, um, we can even ask: Do these big demos make a difference? Right. Like, remember that huge, huge. Um, March in Washington, 2004, in the spring of 2004. Yes, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. I mean, that, that was unbelievable. I remember both my girls were on the East Coast. You know, thank God for cell phones. We managed to meet up and 
full of these multi-generational groups. My, my favorite banner, there was a banner that said, menopausal women, nostalgic for choice. We are. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> that was the most fun and that so was- invigorating. Right, and that's the picture on our our um, podcast is yeah. of Diane and me from that march. Oh. <laughs> Ted Turner was beside us at one point. It was, yeah. you know, you looked around. There were celebrities. There were mothers and daughters, as you said, yeah. who who, and who grandma, took the bus in. My point being that it was a wonderful, exhilarating experience, oh. and it was done deliberately in spring two thousand four because people. Uh, wanted to really rev people up for the uh, election that was coming that November. Could we Mm -hmm. defeat W, George W. Bush? And in fact, we didn't. I mean, it (laughs) It didn't help is what you're saying. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't want to be a downer. I mean, I think, I think that thing was, I mean, obviously was fun. And I think social movements need to have fun to keep people you know, connected um, and committed, but it didn't change. I mean, it didn't change Mm-mm. the vote. That, well, that... I, I think the problem there is we're always talking to each other. Yeah. And we're not expanding mm-hmm. our base and we're not talking to the people who are out there in middle road, middle America, living their lives and not really paying attention to social issues. And so it's, it, we, we were marching to the choir, if you will. Right. And, and that that's good for uh, momentum and for all of us to reinvigorate and stuff. But I, I think you're right. It's a problem with that translating into uh, results. Yeah. Now, the, and action. The, the, yeah. the women's marches uh, that were held right after, you know, uh, right after Trump was elected, um, I think that were, they were different. They those mar- I mean, you two in the South would know better than me, but they took place in small place. I mean, in smaller towns, they were all over the place, mm-hmm. um, you know, in 2016. And, you know, and he was defeated in 2020. So, right. um, you know, I don't want to say unequivocally that marches don't matter. I'm, um, I'm just saying that I don't know what will happen well, marches don't matter also if the press doesn't cover them appropriately. That is, I mean, they're covering this this 20-person uh, uh, trucker brigade or whatever it is, night and day, but they don't cover a 20,000-person march for women's rights. Right. And so I think, I think we, we get, we get short, short shaft with the press. And, and um, I, I, I'm not sure what to do do you have any other suggestions carol (laughs) i am (laughs) i am not a strategist i i'm an analyst (laughs) okay analyzing what you've heard (laughs) (laughs) i prediction that uh right after the dobbs decision is announced you know the new york times and other reporters will be i mean I'm afraid they'll already have their headlines. Uh, right. Dobbs, this row overturned, reaction is muted. I mean, in other words, yeah. I, right, yeah. Headlines. So people don't care. <laughs> but, or, and I'm sure Di- Diane will be like, um, 
Miss uh, Press that day, right? You know, it, it's it's so sad. Maybe that's part of this too. Is is getting the public ready for what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, every <laughs> listen, we certainly know those justices were pretty clear on where they were going with this. Right. right. But I think that you know that that acceptance has already is already occurring in in many places. Yeah, I I think you're right. And I think a lot of people are talking about somehow or another that they're going to be carving out a 15 week upper limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that they won't so do away. With, they'll, they'll, they'll cut the baby in half. In other words. Right. That's no. a poor, poor metaphor, but um, the, the, they, they won't take it away totally, but they'll, they'll hurt those women in the, the later pregnancies who are some of the most vulnerable and right. some of the, some of the, the saddest. Well, but that just when they do that, however, that puts into play the trigger laws, like in Mississippi, because the 15-week ban overturns Rome, so there is no law of the land. So it states rights from the beginning. We're told we have ten, approximately ten days after that happens before that trigger law bans completely in Mississippi. Wait, are you saying okay. that if the court Upholds the court holds upholds the Dobbs decision. Okay, in other words, it, it wouldn't be 15, 15 no. weeks. In other words, no. you, you're you're at sixteen weeks now, but then yeah, you're but down see, to fifteen. Not, but you're saying a, it'll be worse than that. It's overturning Roe because Roe would have prohibited the court from doing anything, putting any marker on it other than where it was. Okay, how would they be able to carve out something that? But basically Rose made long. it 15 weeks. Oh, they can't because they've overturned Roe. You see what I'm, I'm saying? I'm hearing that there's some way to to do it, to do that. To not that's not what my attorneys are telling me. They're saying so it's really I mean, this is what you're saying, Diane. It's very interesting. It's it's even worse than we thought. Absolutely. That 15 week ban right now, you can let's say that Florida has that. That's where it's we've been watching that now but the 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 central part of that is Florida could never have done that and if Roe was in place they couldn't even be looking at these laws you know they would be absolutely overturned but the moment they took Mississippi's case that's when we knew we were in trouble or they could never have looked at it you see what I'm saying so, uh, uh, where where will the where where will people at the pink house refer pa- patients to? Where where do you think those with the who can get out of Mississippi? Where where will they go? The well, obstetric wards. <laughs> you're at, unfortunately that's where a lot of them are going to be going. Uh, and interesting enough, Carol, they just took some of the money that was going to that women at those women with children. And gave it to the CPCs. Yeah, I know that's why would why would you need a CPC if you don't have an abortion clinic? <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of redundant, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but you know, um, it's it's um, we will definitely uh, we will definitely be building a clinic in the sex day. Well, now, Carol, I know you've done a lot of work with. Regular general OBGYNs in the general medical community. Why? Why isn't mainstream medicine 
uh, up in an uproar about this because certainly even an OBGYN who doesn't do abortions is going to be affected by this. Oh, yeah. No, I, well, here's my take on that question. Um, historically, historically, mainstream medicine, which means for the most part mainstream OBGYN, supported legal abortion, but they did not support abortion providers. Correct. And right. I, yeah, we know. Yeah, that's been painfully obvious all these years. Right. And that was a mistake we made. That was, well, it was, yeah, it was a mistake everybody made. And I mean, I, my feeling about where, how come is because they, mainstream medicine was, their imagination was so dominated by uh, the so-called back alley butchers. They, right. they know about the good abortion providers before road, you know, people like Curtis Boyd, people, you know, who, people who did these abortions as a, as, as what I have called a matter of conscience. Right. So mainstream medicine, the free clinics happened. So they were perfectly <laughs> happen, happy to refer people to clinics and not have to deal with it. Over time, this has changed. I mean, now ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, is a woman president. She's very pro-choice. ACOG has made a lot of fuss about jobs has signed on to amicus briefs many i mean the ama has the ama the organization that in the 19th century led the campaign to criminalize abortion mm -hmm. um so now we do have mainstream medicine with us the problem is it's probably too late i mean that that that's the problem what they yeah. now they should have done a long time ago you know, we've been on the outside looking in, and we've done the, fought the battles there, and we've protected those doctors and totally. those people in the hospital. You know, plus, they didn't plus, have to do this. That's right. That's exactly right. I want to say, I mean, I don't would hate for your listeners to get the idea that you know I'm dumping on the clinic. I mean, the clinics have been incredible. I mean, in terms mm -hmm. of safety record. I mean, the reason that. So much abortion happened in the freestanding clinics right after Roe. I don't need to tell the two of you this. You know, you could do it cheaper. Uh, right. You could hire abortion positive staff. I mean, women who used to, the few abortions that took place before Roe, mm -hmm. you know, that took place in hospitals with a, in a, in a operating room and with staff that treated them terribly. I mean, uh, you know, women getting abortions were put on the labor and delivery floor and the, the next room they would hear, you know, women cooing at their new babies. And it, it was horrible. So the, 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 um, the clinics play, played and still play a very important role. A, a very unfortunate consequence, however, is that left mainstream medicine off the hook. You're right. Well, but, but also, I think we were innovators in ways that mainstream medicine could never have Absolutely. even imagined. I mean, we, in, we invented outpatient surgery in this country. That's right. We invented um, uh, patient consents right. and, and totally informed patient consents where we told everything. You can look on most clinics' website and see a copy of their consent if you, if you want to. We invented cost-effective medicine. I say this, uh, you know, when I first started out 50 years ago, an abortion was $200, $250. Mm -hmm. And now it's $400, $450. Yeah. 
you know, barely I, double when the rest of medicine 50 years later is is way out of control. You know, I, I have to share with you a, a figure that blew my mind. Uh, Bloomberg Business News uh, mm-hmm. did a story on the economics of abortion, of abortion clinics, you know, and why so many were closing. And and this is what blew my mind. Uh, that what the author calculated is if you know, right after row, a first trimester cost one hundred fifty, maybe two hundred dollars. Right. If the cost of a first trimester abortion had kept pace with inflation, it would be twenty two hundred dollars mm-hmm. now. Oh my gosh, and I, I understand that totally. Not the five hundred, you know, that it the right. cost of a first try. Right, and and that's just a abhorrent. Not only that we've had to all these years. Um, curtail our prices basically because we weren't gaming the insurance system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, one reason that the clinics haven't raised the prices is abort. I don't need to tell the two of you this. The, um, you know, the abortion provision is not just a job. It's a mission. It you is know. a mission. So, so when you have the kind of clientele that Diane has at the pink house, <laughs> you you're you're not going to charge twenty hundred dollars. You're not going to charge. I don't know what does the first try cost now at your clinic. In uh, Jackson, it's six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. You right. know, and if and you it's... didn't care about the women, you were sorry. You don't have competition. You no. are the only clinic in the whole. That's state. exactly right. Because right. in Virginia, it's three hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and if you, you know, and if you, if it was only about the money, you know, you would, you would be a lot higher, but you, you're not. A- anyway, so it's a unsustainable, arguably unsustainable business model for many clinics. You're exactly right. And, and the number of clinics I know not throughout the years who go overboard to help women out and reduce fees and, and mm-hmm. give them rides and, right. and food. I mean, I, I, the stuff that clinic workers have done over the years to take care of their patients is just astounding. It is astounding. I remember when Dr. Tiller was alive, uh, I remember talking to different, you know, people in clinics across the country and, you know, how they would raise money to send, you know, I mean, you would see somebody, let's say in the South, they needed to see Dr. Tiller. Very often was a very young girl. Um, who barely understood why she was pregnant and you know and this clinic staff would raise the money to send right. girl and her family you know to Kansas well I, I know of clinic workers who basically adopted uh, patients and their and their families and taking care of them and put them mm-hmm. up in hotels and giving them rides and yeah. and all sorts of things it's uh, it's it's astounding the, the caliber of of people that, that we have in the, in this business. It, absolutely. And, and that's why I feel truly so privileged. I mean, you know, my career has been studying the, um, you know, uh, the abortion workforce and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been an honor. It really has been an honor. Yeah. Well, I've, I can truly say too, some of my best friends in life right now, I've met through abortion clinics mm-hmm. and my abortion clinic work. Mm-hmm. Um, Diane, obviously, Marilyn Buckham, who we mm-hmm. we had on a couple of weeks ago, oh. and and just all sorts of people I consider 
very, very close friends. I think it's because it, it's all these years it's taken a certain kind of actually special person to be able to do this You're kind right. of work. It is. But you know what? The, the benefits, I, I, I look back and I think I, I could not have been luckier to have found this. It's not a job. You know, yeah. If it's a job, you don't stay mm -mm. because there's no, no money good enough or large enough to make you stay. You're there because you want to be. Yeah. You, know, right. you need to be there. Yeah, I agree completely. I, uh, Dr. Harris, Dr. Lisa Harris in Michigan shared a chart with me that I love, and I love showing it to, to students. It compares abortion provider satisfaction and rates of burnout against the general healthcare workforce. And who, who do you think comes out highest in terms of satisfaction? Abortion clinic worker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it's a it's a mission. It's a it's a it it combines politics, marketing, um, medical issues, issues, and all sorts of different skills. That codependency, you know. I mean, there's just nothing better going home. You don't you don't get those kudos from every patient, but you know, going home at the end of the day and realizing, you know, how important it was for those women that you were there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's it's a. I think that's also been part of this industry that you that we've been able to develop into uh, whomever we are. But because of that business and those women. Yeah. Right. Well, Carol, thank you for your work. Thank you for your support. And um, do you have anything else you want to say to, to no, wrap up this wonderful just, chat? Just right back at the two of you. I mean, you two have. Been there longer than I have. And, uh, <laughs> um, oh Lordy, we were. Hey Carol, we were children when we started out. We were children when you started. I'm not. This is we, not a statement about your age. I'm probably older than both of you. This is no. But we were. I was 24. I mean, I was. I was. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. 21. Yeah. 21. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I was a geriatric 30 to, when I got in this field. Okay, well, listen, very nice to talk to both Thank of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'll be and, thinking of you, Diane, the day the decision comes out. Thank you. Oh, my Carol. gosh. And okay. call anytime, Carol. Uh, just want to remind everybody we have a, a hotflashreport.com blog. And if you need an abortion clinic, go to abortionclinics.com. And if you want to support the Pink House Fund in Jackson, Mississippi, go to thepinkhousefund.com. Nonprofit pays for travel and women to have abortions. Wonderful. And thanks for listening to the Hot Flash Report. Oh, every now and then. Um, and we might be off for a few days because uh, we just might be off for a few days. But we'll be <laughs> back to you soon. And we'll still be pissed off. Yeah, so we'll still be pissed <laughs> off. And we know the shit will keep hit hitting the fan. Uh, subscribe to the Hot Flash Report to make sure you get our latest uh, uh, episodes. Hey, stay cool, Hot Flashers. Thank you. Stay cool, Diane. You too, Ms. Diane. Okay, Thanks, bye. Bye-bye. We're tired of fighting for what we deserve. We're all pissed off and we demand to be heard. When shit hits the fan, it's Ed and Diane holding it down at the Hot Flash Report.